holy and gracious God, having sung songs of praise and starting this new year off, uh, giving, um, giving back you those words of praise and adoration, we come to continue to hear a word from you through the complex words of the Apostle Paul to hopefully something that might connect to us and give us uh, hope and energy into this uh, day and into this week and into this year to come. We pray that you're, uh, you would speak to us and that the meditations of my, har- my heart and the words of my mouth be pleasing to you, O Lord, our God. Amen. So, you may not often hear a scripture reading that we do that is so encouraging about dead to sin and living in Christ and all of these other th- things, uh, and especially you may not have expected to hear that on our New Year's Day, beginning the new year right. Because if you know me and if you uh, have come to our services or if you watch online or listen to the podcast, you know that I am very much, you know, hell brimstone, like, you know, sin, we're all sinners, we're going down, like all of these things. And so, and I get that, I'm joking, I don't talk about that regularly. And I don't regularly talk about sin because I love the Apostle Paul and the words that he has for us. And I'm going to unpack that a little bit for us. Because today we're in the Christmas season, but we're also in this New Year's phase, right? How many of you have a New Year's resolution? Anyone, Anyone here? No? New Year's resolution? We all gave up that quick, that early this year? How about a New Year's week, month resolution? You know, what are you, what are you doing? How are you doing? You know, I think many of us, and maybe we've given up on the, the, you know, trying to change something about it, but there is a definite spirit in the air in the, you know, cosmos of our nation and cosmos of the world of trying to change a little bit, right? I think all of us have a desire to be a better version of ourselves, and we're trying to do that step by step, day by day, year by year. And usually, you know, we'll try to do something around, you know, like, I'm going to lose weight, I'm going to exercise, I'm going to, you know, have uh, be more intentional with my relationships. I, I don't know what it is that we try to do in the new year, but before we get to the better version of ourselves, I want for a moment just to take in the Apostles Paul's words on how we get there and what that has to do with Jesus and specifically with Christmas. Because I don't know about you, but one of the things that is terrible about New Year's resolutions is that they usually fail. I mean, I think I looked in the past, like the statistic of how many of us make it through the whole new year with the change that we hope in our lives lasts for like, you know, 14 days and then like a significant percentage of the population like drops off with what they want to do. Um, But the Apostle Paul, let's just unpack for a minute what the Apostle Paul is doing here. He talks a lot about being dead to sin and alive in Christ, and he talks, like, so people hear Paul, and they hear doom, gloom, like, oh, don't die to yourself, your mortal body is sinful, you got to do the right things. And in fact, people interpret the Apostle Paul that way. He begins the book of Romans by saying stuff like, you can see God's law on the stars and the skies, you can see it everywhere around the world, and then he goes into a list of all the things that people do wrong, and then he says, you have no excuse, therefore, to not know God's commands. So you should know how to behave and how to act, not just because you grew up in the church and you grew up knowing God's laws from going to church and all that, but you should know it just by being human. And people will take those words and then tell us what we've got to do accordingly. And I think that the people that do this with the Apostle Paul do a disservice to him. Because what he is doing with his entire project is trying to dismantle that entire theology. 
The theology that you have to do it yourself, and ultimately you are responsible for your own salvation through the actions you have. That you have to do it yourself, and you're responsible for the actions you have. There's a, a, a diagram that is told about how we're saved. And it's uh, a diagram that was outlined, and I love the people in my life that have shown me this like way of salvation before, but I don't like it anymore. But I'm just going to follow for a second. And this is diagram that you're over here, and you are living your life, and we fail our New Year's resolutions. We struggle to maintain healthy relationships. We make mistakes. We're sinful, right? And then God's over here. And as much as we want to try, because we are sinful, we can never cross the chasm to godliness. That we are forever kind of on this unholy side, and that God is over here desiring us to have relationship and to be whole. And so we can't do it in ourselves. And that's the diagram, this giant chasm. So what do we need? We need Jesus. And Jesus comes and is born and then is born, and then dies on the cross, and takes God's judgment and God's wrath, and then now us unholy sinners can walk a bridge paved by Jesus so that we can come over to godliness. So that through the, the death of Jesus, now we can make our way to holiness, and we can be that better version of ourselves because Jesus died and took the sacrifice of our sins. It's actually called the Roman's way, the Romans way. And I remember there's like seven verses from the book of Romans, like we're all sinners and that Jesus dies and that you have to follow the way, the truth. You have to believe in Jesus and you have to cross the bridge and then it moves on to ethics later on in the Romans. It's a, it's a way that people interpret this apostle Paul. But I think that they get it wrong. And I'm going to tell you why. Is that the apostle Paul is actually not really telling that as the way we're supposed to do it he's actually arguing against these teachers. Because the thing is, if you know about Apostle Paul, he went to all these communities and brought these two very divergent communities together and said, be together in Christ. And it wasn't just like, oh, we're going to get along as Democrats or Republicans. It's like, no, vastly different humans. You had Jews who had eating practices. They had holiness rituals about what they could touch and not touch, ways they could interact with community. And then you had the Gentiles who towards the Jews were complete heathens and had no sense of the holy. And then the Gentiles looked at the Jews and thought to themselves, these people are very strange. It's almost like, you know, as if, you know, like you go back in like, uh, what's the name of it? Or anyway, they look towards the Jews and they think of them as quaint and they're following these rules, but they don't understand them. He brings them together and says, we're one in the body of Christ. And over and over again, that's the theme that he has. It's not that you have to be circumcised, be Jewish, read the Bible. It's that God comes in Christ and makes us one. That's the theme that he has. The problem is, is that people did not like his theme. Why didn't they like it? Well, because those unholy heathens, they go to the temple, the Roman temples, and they give their animals to the Roman priests, and they sacrifice them to Romans God, Roman gods, and then they go home and they eat those meats, and they participate in the worship of the emperor, and they participate in the worship of false gods. How could they be followers of God and Jesus? 
And so these Jewish Christians would go around single-handedly to all of his communities, and they would say, Paul's right. Paul's right. We're all one. And you still can't give up the law. You still can't give up the law. And so he's going through all of these communities, and he sends his letter ahead of himself. Or so he's going through all these communities, dismantling what Paul's trying to do. And it's driving Paul crazy. But Paul is also going back to Jerusalem to spend time with the Jewish leaders, Jewish, the Christian leaders that are there, like James and John and the other Christians that are there. And he gets word that these false teachers are going to go to Rome, which is like Paul's like beacon. He wants to get to Rome to spread the good news to Rome, but he hears that these false teachers are on the way. And so what he does is he writes a letter. That's his answer to us. He's going to write a letter. But rather than beginning with his arguments of what he believes, he then begins with the argument of the false teachers. And then he goes about a dialogue back and forth with the false teachers and Paul, false teachers and Paul, until we get to the heart of what he articulates as his gospel, which is chapter 5 through 8. Okay, thank you for that Bible study with me and followed with it. But ultimately, I think it's really important because you can hear it in the scripture reading. Because Paul says at the beginning in Romans 5 that you are saved by grace. He says, for while we were sinners, at the right time, God came to us in Jesus. And God reconciles us. Reconcile is a fancy word for makes right. And in that scripture, he does not say, God comes in Jesus, the chasm, right? So that you can be reconciled, so that you can walk the path to salvation. That's not what he says. He says, while you were an enemy over here, God comes and brings you over here, that you are made right through Jesus. That is infuriating to anyone that likes to think they have deserved their standing within God's love. It's infuriating, because think about it. What does that mean? means you don't have to do anything to be saved. That's what he's saying, that while you were weak, while you were an enemy, God comes and makes you right. That is the, the gospel according to the Apostle Paul. And so you can see why he would say Jew and Gentile can get along. Why can they get along? Because I'm sorry, Jews, it's not about what you do that makes you holy. Christ has done it already. Christ has done it already. So it doesn't matter if you're slave or free or male or female or sinner or saint, that we are together, period. And that's the Apostle Paul. That's what he argues over and over again. That's what he wants to send as good news. But you can imagine the false teachers are going through and they say, well, he's right, but... But we, we got to be better people, right? I mean, you, he's right, but you can't still steal, right? You can't still, like, hurt someone and be, you know, vengeful or hateful. You can't still, you know, eat, you know, those foods. You can't still, you know, do these things. And the Apostle Paul says, hold your horses. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is, it's over. You're saved. Christ has come. God is with us. And so the first verse I read was, what then are we to say? 
Should we go on sinning? That's the first verse I read. Because that is exactly the way a false teacher reading Paul's gospel would argue. Because Paul says, we're all good. Jesus comes. And then the false teacher says, yeah, well, but that doesn't mean you just keep on sinning. And Paul says, I think, the most important phrase for us and our faith. You missed my point. Actually, he goes, by no means, exclamation mark. Because here's the thing. The Apostle Paul fervently believes that Jesus has done 100% of the work for you. 100%. And the Apostle Paul fervently, fervently believes that that changes everything. One of the reasons I think that people lose their New Year's resolutions, just, just an opinion, is that they're trying to be a version of themselves that they're not right now. They're trying to be a better version of themselves. And usually that better version of ourselves carries the emotional weight of, I'm not good enough right now. Right? I mean, I want to lift weights every day this, this year and get bigger because, you know, skinny Brian is not the best version of myself. Right? I want to eat healthier. I want to be a better parent. I want to do whatever that New Year's resolution is. Like, we're taking the part of us that we don't feel adequate with and replace it with the part that we think is better. And I think that we lose our resolution because we start from a place of inadequacy. We start from a place of feeling that we're not, we're not good enough. And so when you hear the Apostle Paul's words, the Apostle Paul starts in a completely different place. The Apostle Paul starts, you are good enough, period. You do absolutely nothing to earn your merit in God's love. Nothing. That you are saved by grace, that while you were an enemy, you were made right. While you were weak, you were reconciled. God's love has encompassed you, has captured you. Whether you like it, know it, believe it or not, it doesn't matter. So if we start there, now, where do we go? There's a, a fitness guy that shows up in my reel. It's actually, if uh, some of you might remember Jenna, who used to sing in the, uh, in the choir with us and also do uh, childcare with us. Her uh, boyfriend is uh, a fitness guy. He's like on, because a coach and trainer. And he's not just a, like, you know, get better, like get stronger and get healthier. Um, he does it like with like some psychology behind it. And one of the things that he tells all of his clients to do, his name is Anthony. He says, I need you to wake up this morning and be thankful. And to write down the parts about your body, because a lot of people are going to him to like get more in shape, right? That you love. To be thankful about who you are now and the parts about your body that you love now. Not the, I need to be 10 pounds less or I need to be five pounds, like five pounds more muscle mass. He wants his clients to start there because he has seen that the more people start with appreciation and love of self, the more successful they are. This isn't rocket science. If we're trying to like work our way out of our sinfulness because we're just so terrible, we find ourselves back there. But if you have been free and the road has been paved 
and you trust that God's love is for you no matter what, it makes it easier. Because the thing about it, Paul does not want us to not live more holy lives. Paul wants us to experience what he says as the newness of life. And he goes over and over again about how important that is to him. But the newness of life, as we move into this new year, is not trying to live up to something because you have to, to earn your salvation, to earn your merit, to become a better version of yourself so you can be more accepted. The newness of life that Paul wants us to experience is the hope and the trust that we have been made right. That's the hope of Christmas, friends. It's that God comes to be with us. And in confirmation class or in uh, sit down, we'll talk about baptism. That's what I talk about. Is we can tell our youth and we can tell our children, we can tell ourselves that what did you do when you were an infant to merit the love of God that came down on Christmas? Absolutely nothing. You were an infant, <laughs> you did nothing. What did we do to merit the gift of Christ? of Christ, of God with us. Absolutely nothing. God is with us. God has made us whole. Now our new year resolution is to live out of the love that already dwells in us. We say light has broken into the darkness, and the darkness shall not overcome it on Christmas Eve. And that light is in you because God is with us. And the way forward is not by thinking you need to go up to the candle and light it and become a better person. The way forward is to believe that you have the light of Christ in you already. That God has given you all that you need now. So go and be the light. That's the good news according to the Apostle Paul, but that's the good news according to God's love and mission in Jesus, is to come to be with us. Take us in and then pave a way for all of us to live day by day, a better version of ourselves, not because we have to, because we get to. Because God has already done the work. So my hope for us is that as we go through the new year, we don't go into it with, I need to lose this part about myself. But we go into it with an embrace of God's love for us as we are. And the more we can own the goodness that God has made in you, the more change we'll see in ourselves and the world around us in this new year. So, Pastor Brian, does that mean I can just do whatever I want? By no means. The newness of Christ has paved a way for a better way to live. Let's live it. But let's not do it out of guilt or shame or fear that we're not good enough. Let's do it out of the love, the life, and the energy that God gives us with the light of Christ in the world. I invite you to pray with me.
holy and gracious God. In Christ, you come not to be the judgment or satisfy the judgment that you give to the world for our sinfulness. In Christ, you come to be with us and to bring us back into relationship with you. I give thanks that you do the work and not us because we certainly don't know the way and we certainly will go awry and we'll certainly fail at that attempt to be better versions of ourselves eventually. So help us live into the light of the love that you bring in Christ. And then to be that love in the world and that light in the world freely because you've given it to us freely to seek justice and peace and to extend grace that it's not about earning but it's about giving freely because that's what you did in Christ on Christmas. Amen.